I wish I could get Anthony to tell me how to say welcome in French so I could say welcome to Getting Curious in French. I'm Jonathan Van Ness, and every week I sit down for a gorgeous 30-minute conversation with a brilliant expert to learn all about something that makes me curious. This week, Bobbers, what is your origin story? With Bobby Berg. Hey. I have a gorgeous, gorgeous friend of mine um, named Bobby Burke, who's sitting right across from me, who's only one eye I can see right now. Hi. Hi. So, like... We did this one thing for these one people that was this one thing <laughs> that made us cry. Stop secret. We can't talk about but it. But I cry a lot. Yes. Yeah, so well, we, we can talk about what we did. We just can't talk about who it was for. Tell them what we had to do. For a full minute, we had to gaze into each other's eyes very longingly and passionately. No. <laughs> not passionately. Well, it passionately, wasn't passionate. Passionately doesn't have to be sexually. Yeah, that's true. It's it was passionately. passionately. Yeah, that's true. And hold hands and then talk about our favorite things about each other and compliment each other. It was a friend exercise. Oh, and then we hugged. Mm-hmm. For a whole I, minute. And it was so hot. It was sweaty. I cried. I cried when I did <laughs> Bobber's one. Mm-hmm. Um, in a roundabout way, we will talk about one of the things that made me cry, but I just will never point out exactly what it was. But then maybe someday you'll remember and you'll tweet about it. <laughs> um, <clears throat> that was fun. So I met Bobby on a f- February 28th, 2017. Mm-hmm. On a Wednesday night. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. And then it was a Thursday, Friday? Mm-hmm. Oh, my yeah. God. That was so stressful. It was great. I almost How was come. the experience for you? Like nothing I had ever done before. You know, I've never been through a casting like that. I don't think you've ever been through a casting like that either. Had you ever been through a casting? No. Period. I've done shows before, but it was just like, hey, come do this show. Not, hey, come go through the Hunger Games to do this show. Mm -hmm. You know, I felt like Miss Katniss Everdeen at the end of it, and I had won, and Professor Snow, or no, President Snow, not Professor Snow. Yeah. Yeah, that one. We got rid of him. I liked that movie a lot. (laughs) Um, (laughs) (laughs) I did. No, the funny thing is a lot of people don't know I actually almost didn't come to casting. Um, Why? I was super sick. I... (laughs) I had been working in Palm Springs and Las Vegas installing homes and I was in Vegas the night before and I was stuck on this fucking plane that had a terrorist threat tweeted. No, it didn't. It. Yeah, yeah. First they um we go down the runway and the engines rev and it's like and then you hear it go and you're like, oh, that's not good. And then they're like, oh, um, I think they first said it was traffic in LA. So they're like, we're going to pull over here. And then the captain's like, oh, well, we're actually in the way. So we're going to go back to the gate. And I'm like, "Mm, they never send you back to the gate. Like, gates are occupied. Something's up. So then we get to the gate, and we sit at the gate, and we sit on the gate. And then they're like, oh, we had um, a passenger get off who was sick, and now we have to take their luggage off. But everyone's got to get off the plane. And I'm like, how did a passenger get off that was sick if the door never opened? Oh, my God. Was this during Ebola? No, no. They just kept making up all these weird— I would have freaked out about that. They just kept making up all these weird excuses that you pretty much could tell was BS after a while. And then um, somebody came over the loudspeaker and was like, everybody sit down. Nobody's getting off this plane. McCarran Airport will not allow anyone on this aircraft back into the airport. And then we're like, well, wait a minute, what? So finally the captain comes on. He's like, all right, folks, the real deal is somebody tweeted a terrorist threat against this specific flight. So we're going to have to be towed down to the end of the runway now. And then they took us down to the end of the runway. We sat there for at least another hour and a half. So this is like four or five hours at this point. And then police, fire truck, ambulance all surrounded the plane. Police officers with guns let us all off onto buses, put us in buses, and then dropped us off in the parking garage at the airport. And that was the end of it. <laughs> and then you went back and got a different plane? No, I um, went to um, the rental car place. 
Oh, and you drove. And drove. And <laughs> I had a nervous breakdown in the rental car place because I was so sick and so tired. And I was like, I've got to get to my Queer Eye audition tomorrow. And there was this guy at the counter who wasn't even renting a car. He was just asking the people the process in which he would do if he wanted to rent a car. Oh, my and God. And he was standing there for literally like 20 fucking minutes. And finally, I flipped out. And, oh. like, and you know me. I'm not one to like lose my composure in public. But I was like, if you, if you're not going to wear a car, just do that. And, yeah. and then he literally, I think, just You away. had to. And then I made it. And then the next morning, I had to run around L.A. with no sleep looking for colorful clothes. Because remember, Netflix saw that picture of me in that bright, colorful suit. Mm-hmm. And they're like, oh, we want this Bobby. We want a bright, colorful Bobby. And as you know, I'm, I'm not bright, colorful Bobby. I'm like... All black, Bobby. You're like New York for 15 years, yeah. Bobby. Um, I just happened to be photographed in a bright suit one day. And so I went around L.A. all day looking for bright clothes. And then I went to that audition. And I was also supposed to be in Spain that following Friday. Oh, yeah. And uh, Porcelanosa, a tile company, was bringing me over there. And I was like, there's no way I'm going to get this show. I'm really, I think I just want to go to Spain. And I almost didn't go. Oh, well, well, thank God you did. I would have never met you. I felt like I wasn't going to get it too. Maybe that was like our Midwestern roots, which I shouldn't spoil because <laughs> you don't know where he's from. And what else? Um, well, then the the first night, you know, we all had cocktails with producers and executives and everything, and we didn't really know who was who. And so the second day was like basically speed dating. And interior design, I think there was like five or six or seven of us in the end. And our category was last. So I remember sitting around for what felt like 12 hours waiting to just have 15 Mm. minutes of interview time. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah. You know, there was one table with David and Jen Levy and then one table with Rob and Laner and some ITV people. And then they're like, all right, bye. Thanks. See ya. They're like, we'll call you. So I got a call from David at like almost one o'clock in the morning. And that the next morning I was supposed to go to Spain. So I was still like, I'm like, should I go to Spain? Should I start packing? And they're like, we want you to, we want you to come back the next day. We came in and then we started doing the chemistry testing and we had already hit it off, you know, like from day, not the first night, I don't think all five of us had kind of found each other because it was kind of crazy in that bar that night. We really connected the first morning of the second, of of that second day. On Friday. Yeah, the, the last yep. day. Because you, Miss, said the name of one of the creators of the show is the other uh, person's name. Uh, yeah. And you were having like a nervous and emotional <laughs> breakdown to the most thorough degree about it. You told me the story and I was like, I don't know, girl. I was like, I think it's going to be fine. I was like, you're uh, killing it. And like, as I like said, like, you're killing it. Like, I tucked my hair behind my ear to like bend down to tie my shoe and as I was a quarter of the way back over to tie my shoe, I looked up and you were already like had sprouted wings and flown across the room <laughs> and had both of them in the corner. And we're like, I have to explain to you what happened. And I was like, oh, I guess he, yeah, he, he had to, he felt in his heart. He had to sort that out. <laughs> he, it was cute. You could help as your baby. <laughs> oh my God. Um, and, and, and they had those two women come in. They did. Who were they? I don't even know. She, they had these like. Performer ladies come in the last morning to get us loosened up. And but it just, it didn't loosen me up. Well, you had a bleach and tone then. Oh, it was bad. You had a bleach and tone then, it, so it was a different time for you. It didn't loosen me up because I think I felt like I was supposed to know who they were, and I didn't. And then I'm so good at like knowing how to fake knowing that I'm supposed to know who you are. I'm not good at faking, you know, I'm not good at faking. Oh, I am, I am, because, no, because, well, not, well, I can't fake interest if there's none. I'm very bad at this, but if I 
because from doing hair for 13 years and just meeting different people in different cities, because I did hair in like Minneapolis and then Phoenix and then St. Louis and then LA and then New York, I never, ever know. Unless I've been knowing you for a long time or see you every day, like it takes me, like if I see you sporadically, sporadically. chances are I have no idea who... (laughs) Who we are or who let me outside that that day. (laughs) But here's the thing. I feel like part of human nature is is that we want to, like, re-traumatize ourselves with, like, stressful events. And (laughs) the queer eye audition process was for me. It was, like, cheer tryouts from hell times 100 on crack and steroids. The odds be ever in your favor. Like that sprinkled with 80 gays. It was very intense. Or 40 or 60. I don't remember. Literally, I remember being in that room and hearing people cry. Side. Yeah, I can't. It was very People intense. let go. It was sad. We don't have to talk about it. Yeah, what I really, on. and why I, and you know, why I had you here really essentially is because, well, there's a couple things that I'm really inspired by you about and I'm curious about. Most of it's about just your brand, like who Bobby Burke is. Mm-hmm. And so one of those is like, you know, we come from similar parts of the country. I'm from a border part of Illinois and Missouri. And actually, you guys, this is another little bit of tea. Bobby and I have classically clashed because, as you know, if you live on a border town in Illinois, you know that Missourians classically can't drive. But if you've watched Queer Eye... Which is all editing, I say. You'll you'll notice that the only one that ever scares us while driving is John. I am a... Great driver. Did I almost get my driver's license taken away due to five speeding tickets in three weeks that I had to get three of them moved down to a non-moving because my friend knew somebody? Yes, that is true. I did almost lose my license that time. They're all about taking away license in the Midwest. I think I had mine taken away twice. You did? Well, For the points? Just for speeding. For the points. Yeah, yeah. And then for like driving while not having one. Yeah, it was like- They really hate when you do that. Yeah, it's so rude. You know, I think that whole point system is just like- it's shooting fish in a barrel. Like, we all have to get someplace. And also, being from Ellen, Southern Illinois and Southern Missouri, may I add, don't you have a meth lab to bust? <laughs> Local law enforcement? Right? Don't was, you have something serious to get? I actually went to jail twice because of speeding tickets. No. Yes. Because I was so poor, I couldn't afford to pay them. You dealt with financial hardships oh, going? Oh, God, yeah. Tell us, tell us that Madonna you know, part of Bobby Burke. So, I left home when I was 15. Tell me what that looked like, because you mentioned that in story, and I am curious about that, because it's like, I once went on an AOL gay chat room and met this boy who lived in Springfield, and I was like, that is not even that far. Springfield, Illinois. Oh, there's a Springfield, Missouri, too, where I I used to live. There's one in every state. Right. But I was going to drive there, and so I stole my mom's car. I'm sorry, Mom, I never told you that. I just realized. But I stole it, and then I moved. I went, like, 20 minutes, and then I was like, I can't do this. Like, I get lost coming home still. I'm only 16. Yes, back then. Yeah, there wasn't. I had actually had the directions printed out on MapQuest <laughs> next to me, and I was like, who am I kidding? I'm going to get killed out here. So I turned around the car, and I went back home. So what did that look like? You were 15. So 15, um, you know, I lived in a very religious family. I lived in a very small religious town. And a lot of people were like, oh, you left because you were gay. Uh, Or you left because your parents kicked you out. My parents didn't kick me out. But I knew that I could not come out and stay home. Um, And I could not come out and stay in the town I lived in. Did they say that when you were like 12? Or did they sense that you were gay or something? Honestly, it was a shock to them, which is always a shock to me. But no, I just, I wore a mask every single day of my life and it made me kind of an angry, 
you know, person because there was no one really that knew me. There's no one that could see me. There was no one that I could talk about how I was feeling with. Um, one guy came out in my high school and the shit kickers, we called them, the ones that came to school with the, the cow shit on their boots. You had those. In yeah. Illinois. Well, yeah. <laughs> um, they ran him off the road and almost killed him one day. No. Yeah. So I was like, all right, well, coming out is not an option in this town. Because you came in like from like your high school was like really small. Um, there were maybe three or 400 people in the whole school. Yeah. Yeah. So from grades, what to what? Um, that was nine through 12th. The elementary school that I went to, I think had like 19 kids in it, kindergarten through 12th. Uh, tiny one room, little house on the prairie. And then your parents are like, we got to get him to like a place where they know how to. No, no, I actually demanded to go to public school because I couldn't stand being in such a small, tiny little school. Because was that like a Bible school? Mm -hmm. That one house one? Mm -hmm. And I have to go to public school Mm -hmm. with like the other kids and like a different. No, it has not already been 15. We talked way too long about that fucking audition. I'm doing a longer episode. Oh my God, I I I deafed you again. No, no. Oh, good. Oh, good, good, good. No, I was just going to say public school in Missouri is still like Christian school. I get that people. People in Missouri have trouble driving because you guys don't have classic driver's ed the way that Illinois does, right? I, I never what took was it, dri- so I guess not. Right. I, oh, because I mean, you left. Yeah. Oh my God. So let's stop beating around the bush. <laughs> so they didn't. They didn't kick you out, but you were no, like, no, I, can't. I left. Because um, you're like, this is not safe. Yeah. You know, my parents were always like those type of parents that were like, if you don't like it, there's a door. <sighs> you know. And one night they were like, if you don't like it, there's a door. I'm like, bye. And I left, and I never went back. Where did you go? Um, I went to stay with some friends. Um, I lived in my car. Um, you were, like, kind of homeless. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I used to live in my car in Branson, Missouri. Oh, my God, I, I went to Christian Sports Camp there. You guys, yeah. I went to Canada Camp Applebee's there. Applebee's parking lot, because I would work all day at Applebee's on Thursdays, and then I would sleep in my car Thursday night. I'd work all day Friday, I'd sleep in my car, all day Saturday, I'd sleep in my car, and then all day Sunday, and then I'd drive back to Springfield to like stay with friends on their sofas and stuff. Oh mm. my God. Because that's where the public school was? In Springfield in or whatever? Springfield, yeah. When I went to register myself for school in Springfield, that's actually when my parents tried to use that as an excuse or demand to make me come home. They're like, if you want to go to school, you have to come home because you have to have your parents' permission to enroll in a school. Yeah. So they wouldn't let me enroll in school. So I was like, well, screw you. I'll do it anyway. So I took them to court and I had myself emancipated. You did not? Mm -hmm. With an Aaron Brockovich, with a lawyer? No, I just went myself. And you were just like, they won't let me enroll in public school? Yeah, yeah. I petitioned the court to allow me to emancipate myself so I could have the authority to put myself in school. Did it cost money? Um... I don't remember. I don't think it cost much. I think there was just a filing fee because I didn't get a lawyer. I couldn't afford it. And you use your like Applebee's money to like Dominique Mochiano yourself. Mm-hmm, pretty much. Uh, back more. Uh, I can't talk more after this. Oh, baby, I hear the loser calling. Oh, were you recording that? Can, oh, my God. That's how we came back in. Toss salad and scrambled eggs. Well, so Bobby's a baritone and a multifaceted <laughs> singer. Um, but so anyway, know. what we were saying was is that, you know, you literally had to like emancipate yourself. You were sleeping in the car. You worked at Applebee's. I too had the trauma of working in Applebee's for three weeks. <laughs> I never got out of the training <laughs> section. I was a really bad waiter. Um, so when did you decide to go to the Big Apple? So when I left Missouri, I actually went to Denver first. Um, I knew I had to get out of Missouri. I wasn't doing anything with my life. Um, and the only person in the world I knew <laughs> was actually the person I was complaining about posting too many pictures today on Instagram. Um, 
<laughs> the only other person in the world I really knew was somebody I had met on ICQ that had become a friend of mine oh, I who had helped love me a come out. ICQ. Right? Yeah. Um, and so I decided to move to Denver. I kind of had a nervous breakdown one day and I was like, I'm going nowhere with my life. Um, within the 24 hours, I decided and moved to Denver. You like saved up that Apple TV's money and you were like, I'll just stay with you well, for a second. I, and I, I went to Hastings and sold all my DVDs. Remember Hastings? No. No? Hastings music? No. Oh, and, and they did, they took it? Yeah, yeah. Back when, you could, back when they were working. It was like a pawn shop. Basically, yeah. Love. And so went to Denver for like three or four years. And then I went to New York to visit a friend, met a boy, fell in love, decided mm. to move to New York for him. Um, we didn't last, but my love for New York did. So I decided when I was, I had just turned 21. So I moved to New York, June 23rd, 2003. It was pride. I remember getting there in the morning, walking around Chelsea with my little suitcase, and it was so gay, and there were so many people. I was like, oh, my God, what did I do? I'm so scared. <laughs> oh, my God, um, I love that. And you were only 21? Yeah, I just turned 21. You just had, like, a little Colorado mom, fell in yeah. love, and this guy was like, I'm moving to New York, and then you're like, I'll go mm. with you? No, 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 no. He, I met him in New York. He actually lived in New Jersey. Him and I broke up, though, before I even moved to New York. He inspired me to move to New York to be with him. Did you just say, like, how you got to New York and it went over my head? Yes. Where did the Colorado part happen? Like, Between, you were there for, like, four years and then you went on a vacation in New York? I went someone? on vacation to meet a friend. That was the yes. sentence I missed. <laughs> um, and I, when I was out, I met a boy who, uh, oddly enough, I had been chatting with online, hadn't even planned on meeting him, small was at world. a bar, walking through the bar— a guy ran into me, poured his drink on me, and I looked up and I was like, Tim? Yeah, small, like, meant-to-be moment. And actually, it really was meant to be because if, if literally he had not spilled his drink on me, I would not be sitting here right now. That was like that part of Bob's— Oh, Tim Sai, thank you for spilling your drink on me. <laughs> that was like Bob's Burgers, that part when, um, with, when Bob's mustache. If he hadn't had his mustache, he and Linda would have never huh? met. Yeah. Do you watch Bob's Burgers? Um, I don't think I've seen that one, but I do watch I it. I love that show so much. So him and I didn't last, but through coming to see him a lot in New York, I fell in love with New York City. And I was like, this is where I need to be. This is where I want to be. And so I moved to New York with like 100 bucks and a suitcase and got my first job in New York City after three months. It took me three months to find a job because when I went there, I was like, oh, I'll get a job as a server. It'll be fine. You know, because in Denver, I was big fish, little pond. And then I get to New York and I'm like, oh, my God, huge pond tiny fish. Um, and I couldn't even get a job as a server because in New York, they wanted New York City experience or you couldn't even get a job as a server. So finally, I got a job managing restoration hardware. Uh, yep. Yep. And the one right across from the Edition Hotel at the Flatiron Building. Uh-huh. And I think like three months into working there, Tom Felicia came in. They were filming Queer Eye. And I actually got fired while Tom was upstairs filming Queer Eye. Because I changed my own time because I was working really late the night before getting the store all ready for Tom to come in and film. And I had just fired somebody the day before for changing their own time. So it was a big deal that I changed mine. I got fired. But looking back now, I'm so glad I did because I probably wouldn't be on Queer I know. Well, what you did is you asked forgiveness instead of permission, but they fired you. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So that's the chance you take sometimes. Yep, it is. Now I want to know about, like, your inspiration of becoming a designer. Like, where were you? Like, you were just – and also – I remember the moment. Well, okay, well, and I want to hear about that, but also I just need to preface that and set people up for this little story. Bobbers, even though he was repressed as a child in the middle of America in southwestern Missouri, he was so cute. <laughs> 
just this little blonde hair and this cute little smile. I almost feel like we need a picture of you to post on like one of the swipey things if I do like a multitude of pics because your baby pics are so cute. Like your childhood (laughs) pics are so cute. But so where were you? What were you doing? You were, you were in your schoolhouse. Uh, in Springfield, Missouri. And uh, so you weren't in your schoolhouse. No. Well, great. No. There goes my, no, you know what? (laughs) How dare I put my fucking dream and daydream on what really happened to you and then make that your story less beautiful by being disappointed that it wasn't, this is not about me, it Jonathan. Was, it was in Target. Relatable. Yeah. Spill the beans, girl. So I was, I don't know the exact age, but I, between like seven and nine. And I was in Target. Are your feet, is your, are your legs crossed? They are. Uncross your legs. What? Put both feet on the ground. Uh-huh. Close your eyes. Okay. Cl- close your eyes. Are we let, doing let, let your palms be face up on the chair. No. Just take a deep breath. I'm so serious. Just close your eyes. Let it go out your mouth. Close your eyes. Deep breath in. Open your mouth. Let it go. And then just ask that moment in Target to come into your mind and try to remember, like, what you were wearing and, like, try to remember... If you were seven, eight, or nine, because I want like, <laughs> no, I'm serious. Relax, breathe. Just let it. And if it really doesn't come to you, tell me. Just tell me. It's not coming to me. Okay, okay, okay. But, well, I, can, I, try. but I can Google it. Well, no, just, just. Well, so you were. That, I do remember the moment. I don't remember what I was wearing. But so, do you remember the Michael Graves collection with Target? No. So it was the very. We few- didn't have a Target in my town. Oh. Yeah, we had a Shopco. Oh, that's funny. that had used to have been a Jacks, but then it turned well, into Shopco. Target wasn't in my town. Target was in Springfield. My town didn't have anything. Um, we had a Ben Franklin. Oh my God, we had a Ben Franklin really? too. <gasps> yes, an arts and crafts. Yes, and, and we would get styrofoam Fa- and, and fabric. And, yeah, and <gasps> that's where you would make your solar system yes. d- arts and crafts. Yes. Oh my and God. Sometimes, if you were good after school, you'd get a fountain drink. Oh my God, we, I don't think ours had fountain drinks. Oh, ours did. Our, we actually really had one until recently, and now. Oh, ours a, closed a long, ours, a Walmart opened in a town next door, and so it closed. It killed Ben Franklin. You know, we could honestly do a podcast on how Walmart and like corporations kill small business and it makes it not thrive because in small towns in the middle of America, like, because how big was your original town? Um, the one like I went to high thousand? school? Yeah. No, no, no. The, the schoolhouse town, the oh, one street town. people. That is a fucking one horse ass fucking town one right street, there, man. Yeah. Six hundred is one some street, shit. but probably twenty churches. That <laughs> is some. Sh- I mean, that is a like because my town's like thirty. I, I always like to it ranges. I've noticed I like to say different numbers, but it ranges in my <laughs> stories from twenty to forty. But my aunt Signe texted me the other day and said because she saw the Megan Kelly and she was really upset that I threw out a number that wasn't the exact number. <laughs> oh fuck, I can't remember. It was like. 37, 27, someone like the 20, but 1,000, mm-hmm. 600 is that? And so, and yeah. So I think Quincy and Illinois and Spring, but how many is in Springfield? Like 200,000, um, 150? like 200,000, I think. Yeah, so that's like a pretty big, yeah. Because yeah. my hometown's like, it's like, yeah, she's like 30 something. No, whatever. So, but, but so you had been in Target with your family on like mm-hmm. the weekend. You were going like weekend shopping. Yes. Because that's what we would do on the weekends too. You go to St. Louis and shop. So I get that. We were, we were probably going. Probably going to the doctor because mm-hmm. I had high cholesterol, so I had to go get my. You did not I have still high cholesterol. Do. It's genetic. As a child, yes, as a child, and my mother is a nutritionist. She's like super, super healthy. Used to work out all the time, and I still always had high cholesterol. I cut her hair. Huh? Um, you did cut my mommy's hair. You guys have high cholesterol, Bobbers. We should not be drinking fucking half and half. It's six o'clock at five o'clock at night. 
I'm sorry, Colin. At least you, but that's another good reason Um, why you don't eat all that red meat because you're really into your impossible burgers and stuff. And so uh, she used to have literally. Oh, Bobbers, I'm going to support you on a whole other level now. She used to make me ride my bike like miles a day for exercise, and she had me on like a zero cholesterol diet, and I still had high cholesterol even because you were pro. Okay, not to like. You're really super cute, and I love you, and I love your your nodding side smile face. But I, I would bet that you got snacks somewhere. No, or does it, no, Bobber. No, no. Yeah, how could you? How would not, I have? We lived out in the middle of nowhere. It's not I like I could go to a. For a I would have gotten change from the bedside table. I would have stolen the change from the bedside and table. and went to where the gas station. We, we didn't have a. You didn't have one gas station. No, the closest gas station was like eight miles away. Oh my god! We lived, literally lived in the middle of nowhere. Most of our neighbors were. Amish. Was it on a farm? Yes. When Did I was you, little, we lived farmers? on forty acres. I just more ranchers. Like we had cattle and horses and sheep. We didn't. The only thing we grew was like alfalfa to feed the cows. Oh, yeah. My God, that Man. is like that is. Oh my God! <laughs> I literally cannot even. That is so rural. Soup's rural. And then when I when we left that school, we moved. I should have got curious about this a long time ago. <laughs> like, that is some shit. There was no way to get snacks. There was no way to get snacks. No, my mom used to give me rice cakes. Did you have cable? And how did no, you get we a- had no cable. They didn't have cable out there. How did you get a rural-ass Missouri mom who was into fucking fitness? That is so unfair. You couldn't get no she- frozen burritos. Pop tarts, oh no powdered donuts. No, we did have no pop tarts. We did have. So she is a Missourian nutritionist. <laughs> she would never allow those now. Oh, because she. Well, we, yeah. We've now a long she's way. she's actually educated nutritionist. And back you know then it was just like she was. She was just healthy. But you know what they used we to do back then? Junk food. Not to not. I, I am curious, and we're going to extend anyway, so it's fine. I'm telling you right now. But the thing about it is, <laughs> back then I remember what they used to do with pop tarts. They would say. 23 vitamins and minerals. Right. So they made you think it was cute. Back then you believed marketing. Now you know better. She lies. I just sprinkled like, some protein like powder that, on that Like shit that now, moisturizer honey. Tom was using. She lies. She did lie. Mm-hmm. The Pop-Tarts and sulfate, sulfate shampoos. So anyway, so you guys went to Target on the weekend to buy stuff. <laughs> and you saw that collection by that boy. And you were like, oh my Michael God, I Graves. love putting stuff together. It was like toasters and spatulas and tea kettles. And I remember thinking, because before, you know, you grow up in Missouri, it's a spoon is a spoon. A toaster is a toaster. A tea kettle is a tea kettle. Well, actually, we didn't have tea kettles because we're not fancy. Um... <laughs> And so the, for the first time, I remember looking at those things and being like, wow, things in your home can be functional, but they can also make you happy. Like you can look at them and they can make you happy. It's not just functional. It's about aesthetics as well. And that was the first kind of aha moment I had about design that that's something that you could do with your life. And that's when I first started realizing I like design. And then I used to move the furniture around in my parents' house all the time and try to redecorate. You know, there wasn't much to redecorate because my parents weren't big decorators, but... So you know how sometimes you get mad at me because I like will look at your hair instead of your face because mm-hmm. I'll be like tweaking where I mm-hmm. want the highlights to be and stuff. Um, what are some things that in general you look for or that make you happy or make you design bonerish? Like what, what's your whistle about design? Like like what makes you happy? You know, people are always like, you know, what's your aesthetic? What what do you recommend to people about design? And to me, design is so relative. You know, design is so personal. What makes me happy with design and what gives me a design boner isn't the same thing that gives you a design boner. Yeah. What makes you happy. And design should really be about what makes you happy, not what's on trend, not what designers tell you you should like. If you like an 
ugly ass rug and that rug makes you happy and every time you walk into that room you smile use that rug don't worry about you know what other people think about your design be you that's your design you know of course keep it clean you know things like that but when it comes to design i really think that it should be a personal thing you know if you don't want to get personal with it if you just want something that is aesthetically beautiful then hire somebody to do it you know but if you're really wanting it to be Something that you love, make it personal. So for you, well, in Stan Tacken's episode of Getting Curious, we learned about how like a lot of like relationships are like based off of like these like, well, not based off of, but a big piece of them is like how our brains um, make chemicals when we get in relationships with people. And I know exactly what you're talking about when you, like when I get a new artwork or something in my apartment, I'm like, oh my God, I love that. And like every time I see it for like a really long time, Mm -hmm. I'm like, oh my God, like I totally know that that jolt of like endorphins or like adrenaline and endorphins or feel good juice your brain makes when you see that. So what you're saying is, is your aesthetic is you're in the business of getting people to make those adrenaline design juices themselves. Choosing things that make you happy, not things that make other people happy. I love that. So when I got here with Bobby, um, we did a bunch of cute stuff today and then we were going to the bathroom and then, well, on the way to the bathroom, Bobby was like, oh, I wonder like what that column is about. Like it's kind of just in the middle of the hallway and like like structurally and I just thought that was interesting that you noticed that. (laughs) Um, In the back hallway of this building, there's a lot of... um, weird angles in the ceiling and it looks like what you would think only a staircase would be at, but then there's quite a few of them and I just know there's not that many staircases. And I always think about things when I'm working through a building like that. Yeah. Well, we're definitely going to have you back to talk about more things. Cause yeah. I only got to like half of what we talked about. Cause I talk too much, <laughs> but I love you so much, Bobby. You. Thank you for having me. But that was like really illuminating on like your story. And thank you so much for being open about where you come from. And thank you so much for being so visible and working so hard. And you did such an amazing job on the show. And every time I cried on the show is because of your fuck it was because of your design, not effing design. Cause I don't need to say cuss word right then, but um, <laughs> yeah, but you, you, it does. It's you love to help people. And I love that about you. I also love that. I found that you had high cholesterol. I'm going to support you more on that. And that's another reason why we don't need so much red meat, which I love. Um, I also love that you're such an environmental activist that so we really need to talk much about that, but he really will like go off on people with too much styrofoam. You love not <laughs> wasting. You're really into that. You're a big advocate for that. And I yep. think that that's really interesting. Follow him on the gram. We'll put links to everything on there. Um, and we will have to have you back to, to talk more about those things because we didn't get to talk too much, but I love you so much. Love you. Okay. Thank Thank you. You've been listening to Getting Curious with me, Jonathan Benes. This week, my guest was gorgeous Bobby Burke, amazing designer, co-host of Queer Eye, friend extraordinaire, someone whose highlights I make look impeccable and natural and succulents. If I do say so myself, and honestly, the longer I do his hair, the better it gets. I love it so much. You'll find links to Bobby's socials on whatever you're listening to this show on. Follow me on Instagram and Twitter at JVN. Bobby is at Bobby Burke. Our theme music is Freed by Quinn. Thank you so much for letting us use it. And if you enjoyed our show, and if you enjoyed Bobby, and if you enjoyed all the work that we do, honey, just Get, get someone to listen to it that doesn't listen to it already or oh oh or make an insta story i love it when you guys be out there making them insta stories and those twitters honey that facebook group i will tell you i don't have anything to do with the facebook group Kali wally runs it he's married so don't flirt with him but he is gorgeous he's stunning he has blue eyes he's smart he asks 
good questions. He's always believed in me. I love him so much. I love Mare Bear so much. I think she does the Facebook stuff sometimes. He's not only our producer, but he's our social media manager. So go on that Facebook group. Ask him questions. If you say something really funny or cute, he will literally track me down even if I try to ignore him and he will make me answer it. So if you want to get to me, honey, go through Colin. Ask those big blue eyes a question. He will ask me and leave us a review, honey. I love you guys so much. Thanks for listening for Getting Curious. Bye. We get a lot of tweets, honey. We get all the tweets. Some of them are asking for our episodes to be a bit longer. Some of them are for, uh, you know, wanting me to do episodes where people ask me for advice. So I'm setting up a gorgeous voicemail number where you can call with questions, and I'm going to be making a bonus podcast series where I try to answer them. Like, I don't know, what's going on with your hair? Like, it's she gets so oily, and you just can't get through, and you try all the things, but it doesn't work. Or like, I don't know how to exfoliate. Or like, this... Girl will not pay no attention to me or this guy will not leave me alone. It's kind of like a dear Abby, but she's kind of beauty and then she's kind of life and she's kind of, you basically just like ask me stuff, you know, based off of my life experience. Um, Am I a doctor? No. Should you take my advice? You be the judge of that. Uh, I'm just making you a gorgeous bonus podcast series that I want you to take part of. So uh, keep your questions as short as possible, but cute. Uh, We want to keep them focused. And as you can see, that is an issue for me. So uh, use a fake name if you want to remain anonymous, or you can uh, tell us your real name if you want to not be anonymous, uh, but make sure you know. Um, And leave your phone number if you're willing to have me call you back. So honey, leave that number. Uh, The show will be coming to Stitcher Premium later this year. The number is 323-606-9351. Again, that's 323-606-9351. And don't worry if you can't remember it. We'll include it in the show's episode description so you can just open your phone and find it there. Problems, advice, or whatever you're curious about, give me a call. 323-606-9351. This has been an Earwolf production. Executive produced by Scott Ackerman, Chris Bannon, and Colin Anderson. For more information and content, visit Earwolf.com. Earwolf.